Hi, everybody. This is Richard Sachs on Lost Arts Radio. This is a special broadcast with uh, Dr. Bill Warner. He's been on our show quite a bit and done a, a really great series that you can see by going to lostartsradio.com uh, on all aspects of Islam for people who really want to study it and understand what it's really about, what it means, um, the history that's involved in it, what Muhammad's life was like. It's really interesting stuff. And I felt like with all this talk about Islam going on and current events especially that I really needed to know from an original source, not a commentator of some expert, a commentary by some expert, but um, the real expert, which is Muhammad speaking for Allah, and really enjoyed studying and learning all about that. I actually support uh, teaching Islam in the schools, um, in the reality of Islam and uh, the real history of it, what it what it's done, what Muhammad believed in, what his life was. And the context that I was trying to say for, for the current situation is this, um, I think was the 8th, no, the 6th of August of this month was a major day in American history. And that was when the social media giants got together and started uh, mass banning of points of view they don't agree with, primarily the biggest comprehensive news service that is accurate that I know of on the planet right now, and that's Alex Jones. Now, a lot of our guests we share with Alex, and he's just an amazingly informed historical uh, commentator and very courageous to say what is not necessarily acceptable politically in the current <laughs> society. So, um, I mean, I, I just always refer people to Alex's show, and there's a reason, and there's a reason that he's been almost totally banned from the internet now with not even any pretense of a reason other than uh, hate speech and um, the fact that they say he beat up children. And, and just as a quick note, the reason they say he beat up a child is because there was a news story on one of the mainstream stations about a man that was being hit in the face by this out-of-control kid, 10 or 12 years old, and finally got tired of, of being hit in the face, and he pushed the kid down on the ground. He wasn't hurt or anything, and the kid just started screaming and said, you're going to go to jail and all this stuff. It was a perfect setup, if you don't show the face of the man, to say Alex Jones did it. So all the major news media say Alex Jones did it, and that's why he's being banned everywhere. And it's totally untrue, but that's their reason. So in that context, this is a good time to talk about censorship because this is leading up to stealing the 2018 midterm elections and then doing much more than that as a result of totally controlling even the major search engines. I, I checked on Google recently uh, under the word idiot, which somebody told me to check, and it's got a big picture of Donald Trump on it. Oh, That's the the degree to which they're going now, it's really, really serious while they're trying to make you think it's Russia, which is completely not true at all. So with that in mind, I thought, um, let's bring on Dr. Warner because um, Islam is playing a huge role in current events right now too, and I want to see how censorship fits into the whole history and belief system of Islam. So sorry for the long introduction, but welcome, Dr. Warner. It's really uh, exciting and fun to have you on the show every time. Uh, we're, I think we're going to have a good time here, Richard, and I don't think that we'll be able to exhaust the subject in only two hours. <laughs> no, I don't either. I, I, I don't think we will get started. Yeah, exactly. So, um, 
do you see any connection whatsoever in, in what I've been talking about and the whole history and operational system of Islam? Well, yesterday, you know, the day before yesterday, I was in Minneapolis and I gave a six and a half hour, six and a half hour talk on Muhammad. Uh, wow. And so I'm freshly primed. And Muhammad repeatedly, now his form of censorship was even more extreme than Google. His form of censorship was well, th- assassination. Yeah, that's a, it's a lot more efficient. But let me ask, before we get into that, who did you get to actually listen to something for six and a half hours? Uh, this was someone else set up a seminar. His name is John Guandolo. Uh-huh. Yeah, and I know. And so he invited me to speak. He has an interesting concept in training. It's a six-day training. goes from eight in the morning till nine o'clock at night. And wow. you don't even, you don't, it's done in a convention, it's done in a center, so you don't even leave except to go out to have a restaurant or something. So everything's there. So it's intense. It's, it's saturation teaching, which is, okay. can be highly effective, actually. Yeah. So he was this is John Guandolo from understandingthethreat.com. Yes. yes. Yeah. He's a good guy. So, okay, I'm sorry to interrupt. Let's keep going with what you were saying. So anyway... Uh, my mind is freshly primed with the idea that Muhammad did not allow anyone to say anything about him that he didn't like. So uh, this, this is the background as to how Islam deals with censorship. That is, you have the Quran, the Sirah, the Hadith, that is, you have Muhammad and Allah, and no one, they call what I say about Muhammad blasphemy, which basically means we don't like what you said. Who, so calls, it that? who, who calls it that? I, you, I, said, you said they say what I say about Muhammad blasphemy. Oh, a Muslim would say that. If what oh, I say okay. is blasphemy. Okay. So therefore, the point I'm willing to, I'm trying to make here is, is that I qualify for Sharia assassination. But, for instance, multiple people were killed who were intellectuals, who wrote poems. So two different people who wrote a poem about Muhammad that he didn't like, mm-hmm. they were assassinated. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you talk about censorship. Now that's censorship. <laughs> Okay, so the Southern Poverty Law Center is accurate in their classification of you. If you're a person that, you know, it qualifies for assassination, it, certainly you're a hater, bigot, Islamophobe, whatever it is. Hater, bigot, Islamophobe, yes, indeed. Yeah. And the Southern Poverty Law Center, let, let's talk about their form of censorship. That is, at first, when the Southern Poverty Law Center started putting out its hate list, and I'm one of the first they chose. So I have seniority amongst the racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobes. Wow. Okay. Been doing it a long time. Okay. And what do I do? I just talk about what Muhammad said and did. And for that, they say that it's peculiar. They say I'm anti-Muslim. And I don't, I've got nearly 200 videos on YouTube. I've written books, books, books. I've got newsletters. I never trash talk, trash mouth Muslims. I, as a matter of fact, I don't even criticize Muhammad. I just say, here's what, well, what did I just do? I said he had people assassinated because they offended him. Mm-hmm. Notice I didn't say that was wrong. Well, I didn't it, say it, it, besides, he's doing it for God. It can't be wrong anyway. We're not talking right, about so, that. So I don't say he's wrong. I just say, this is who he is, and this is what he did. So because of that, they call me anti-Muslim. So I'm not anti-Muslim, but then again, that doesn't make any difference anyway, because with the Southern Poverty Law Center, like all these others, there's not a phone you can pick up and call and say, hey, Southern Poverty Law Center, what you said about me is not true. No, 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 yeah. no. They don't respond to emails. That is, they just, but what they said was, at first, it was like they just wanted to shame me. 
So like okay. uh, down at the truck stop on the on the on the privy walls, it says for a good time, call Bill. Right, like right. That kind of slur. And so for a long time, I went like that. But then about a year ago, and this is important because this really started happening a year ago, they said, no, our goal is to drive people such as me and another list off the market. That is, we want to totally shut them down. We don't. And, and by the way, uh, a Muslim has chimed in on this and says, people such as myself, this is, uh, who's the Minnesota or Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota uh, congressman, what's his name, who's a Muslim? I'll think of it in a moment. Okay. Keith Ellison said, people such as myself should not even be allowed on the web to sell books. Okay, yeah, I totally understandable. So, why, <laughs> why, why do they... Why do they want you not to talk about accurate information about the history and character of Islam? What do you think because the reason it, Because it makes some people uncomfortable. And it makes two kinds of people uncomfortable. One are Muslims and the other is the apologist for Islam. I've said for a long time that we have two enemies in this war. The first is Islam and the other is the supporters of Islam. They're the near enemy. Well, the near enemy is the one who's killing us today, Richard. They're the one who's who own the internet. The the billionaire Democrats out of Silicon Valley are getting together, and the getting together is important here. That is, Alex Jones got shut down on whatever day it was across the board. Right, right. It yeah, all they all just did. Happened to happen at the same time. Yeah, I don't see any way that goes say anything other they, than that is collusion. They, in the end, they didn't even bother claiming that he violated community guidelines. They just said, you know, everybody wants Alex Jones shut down. Congress, all every American. I mean, every every person who's decent, you know, and believes in truth and justice and all that. And so we're just going to do what they all demand, public demand. You know. You know what I have to say is, if you don't like Alex Jones, don't click the link. It, it's it's really simple. That's a deep concept, yeah. I, I think the link. You know, this also illustrates the difference between, you notice all these people in favor of censorship and not having a country and stuff like that, they always refer to the country as our democracy. And this is an example of what a democracy can do. Because if people... Yeah, exactly, whatever it is. You know. So, no, we have a republic, and I'm not... I, I wonder if we could even find any high school student today or maybe even college freshmen who know what the difference between a dem democracy and a republic is. I bet not. Probably not. I mean, they've done a really good job educating them out of that. And they're not teaching anything like that anymore. It's our democracy and, and we're actually world citizens. And the Constitution is a, is a fragment. It's done by old white men and it's just a limitation to real justice, social exactly. justice. Exactly. It's like a... a a uh, racist um, manifesto kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, that's another thing I'm called when people try to shut me down and censor and censor me, which is they call me a racist, which is like, what has what, what Islam got to do with race? Islam proclaims itself to be a universal religion and a universal political system. So right. if it's universal, how is it racist? Unless it's, oops, human race. Maybe that's what they mean. No, they just mean you're bad. And and you're right that uh, an Eskimo can join Islam. I mean, it, and has I'm sure. I mean, uh, yeah. I bet we can't find any racial group. We, and if Islam is a race, does that mean if you join Islam, your race changes? Yeah, and if I you guess leave, so. If you're an apostate, did you lose your race? I mean, really? Yeah. I to to get the really ultimate answer, we'd have to call up 
SPLC and you said they don't answer the phone. No, they don't answer their phones. You would think being worth a third of a billion dollars, they could afford a receptionist, but evidently not. Yeah, they're being careful because of the public responsibility they have. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, okay, so in other words, in Islam, I I get the impression you're saying it's not entirely, and I want to make something clear first uh, that I think you would agree with, and that's that pretty much every every person who's been a member of Islam, who's been a Muslim by birth or otherwise, that I've met personally and gotten to know, I like every single one of them. They're friends of mine. So I'm not criticizing any particular people at all. We're talking about basically the scriptures of Islam that come from the life of Muhammad and what he said about what God thinks. God mm-hmm. meaning Allah, right? Right. Okay. And so by the I way, I've known many, I used to, as a college professor, I knew many Muslims, because there were many of them in my class. As yeah. a matter of fact, it was, I had so many Muslims in my class that I picked up the Quran and says, I'm going to sit down and seriously read this. Right. So, we don't have a Muslim problem. What we have is a doctrinal problem. Yeah. And I, and want, that, to be able, and I want to be able to talk about that. Uh, right. And, I, and by the way, I'm willing to talk about anything. I may oppose your point of view, but... Can we talk? And the answer now, what was that, Joan Rivers? Can we talk? And Joan, the answer is no. Right. Let's not talk. Unless you want the consequences, of course, which she got. So, anyway. But censorship, I'm a 77-year-old man, Richard, and I never thought that I would live in a day in which I would see censorship in America. I have a dear friend, DJ, who is uh, an American citizen and a fervent patriot. Some of the strongest patriots I've ever met are people who have come to America and and became American. And he said, Bill, when I came to America the first time, and he was in New York City, he said, what stunned me was not the beauty of the women, not the tower of of the buildings, and not the wealth of the people. He said, what stunned me was, because I did not even have this concept, was they'd tell you what they thought. Right. And he says, I'm a Hindu. We never tell you what we think. We only tell you what you want to hear. So he says, I was stunned by that. But he says, now, 40 years later, Bill, I hate to tell you this, but America is now becoming a Hindu culture. Well, actually, I've... It's self-censorship. I've been to India a couple of times, and and the Hindu people that I met there seemed like they were pretty open. Well, maybe Vijay was exaggerating. But the truth of the matter is, today... We self-censor, which is the worst form of censorship. That is, we have children who've been trained that, basically they've been trained that you never want to say anything that makes anyone uncomfortable. Oops, not anyone. If it makes white people uncomfortable, eh, doesn't matter. But if it makes a A official minority, makes someone who's an official minority uncomfortable, then what you're saying, even though it's factually true, is hate speech. That's the reason I'm called a hater. Fortunately, most people aren't a member of the majority anymore. Right, that's changing. Well, which to me is tragic, because if you ever look on the back of the dollar bill, it says, E pluribus unum, out of many one, which right. was the great social vision of America. People would come from all different places and kinds and work together in a unified manner. Now, they say diversity is strength, but diversity is inevitable. That is, there's always a difference from the mean, but we seem to pay little attention now to the what I call the great center. Things that everybody has in common, in other words, right? Or exactly. People believe in. Because it's, it's that unity which makes us truly strong. And that's being, well, I mean, I think there are probably some people right now say, now see, there's hate speech. 
unity makes you strong. See, that's hate speech. Yeah, so we're moving toward not being we're moving toward not being able to say anything because there's always somebody it might offend. Well, now you can say as much as you want. Here's my experience with this, as long as it is left of center. Now, if it's left of center, you can talk on as much as you want. Yeah. And you can say anything you want, and that's perfectly fine, because if you're left of center, then everything you say is true, almost by definition. Isn't it funny that, that the people on the major television networks that are owned by a handful of big corporations have gone completely over to the so-called left. It, it's basically toward a, an attitude of tyranny under color of caring about everybody and being compassionate. But they tell people on those same networks that the media is all taken over by the opposite side. I've been listening to that. That the, In fact, I don't remember the names of all these commentators because they don't seem very impressive to me except as um, deceivers. But I was talking about, yeah, you know, the media didn't used to be uh, misleading all the people, but now they're they're backing the insane president and telling everybody else that uh, they'll just have to fall in line because he's a Nazi, uh, you know, uh, tyrant. And exactly the opposite is true. And I guess they've gotten orders from their bosses to just don't worry about it. Just go completely abandon the truth. And just say whatever will work. It's really strange to watch. Here's what I want from the media. I don't want the truth. I want you to report. They used to be called reporters. Yeah. I want you to report all sides of the fight. I'm quite capable of making up my own mind. Thank you. I don't need it pre-digested. Yeah. A friend yeah, of mine's daughter went to journalism school, and what they taught her was is that you know what the truth is, and what you need to do is to elevate the truth and suppress that falseness and evil. So in other words, if you're talking to someone like myself, present it in such a way that I'm a bad guy. Yeah. But, so that this is not reporting. Well, she must have been a recent student in journalism, right? Yes. But they don't even, they didn't, they weren't, her professors weren't even teaching her the concept of giving all sides of the argument. And if there's three sides, report all three sides. That's, I mean, that's all I want from the media. Don't yeah. tell me what to think. Just tell me what happened. Everything that happened. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I guess the fact that it's so bad right now and only like 50 or 60% of the country is mesmerized by it. But the other part is getting information by individuals and others that just go to the site of an event. They have their cell phone and they start showing everything, which is, I think, really great. Well, listen, that, is, that is truly grassroots news reporting. But what's, and that used to be your, your forum for that could be YouTube. But the day right. is coming very rapidly in which that, no, 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 we, I don't care how real it is. I don't care if that's actually happened. It violates our community standards, which they don't seem to ever publish. The other thing they can't <laughs> define for me, Richard, is what is hate speech? Yeah. yeah they, and- they, they, they're all against hate speech, but they never tell me what it is. For instance, I hate abuse of children. Does that mean, is that hate speech? Yeah, to, so. to say what you hate has to be hate speech because you're mentioning the hated thing. I it, guess. Like, language is becoming a, a weapon stronger than bombs or anything. Oh, much stronger. Right. But I think that's always been true. The pen is mightier than the sword. Right. But now then the internet is mightier than the truth. Yeah, and they're warning people that, 
you know, be careful because there's false information on the internet, but don't worry <laughs> because we're in the process of eliminating it. So it's going to be great. Now, Plato pointed out that in his Plato's Republic that you have the guardians and that is what the internet now has become. They're the guardians, the mm-hmm. Google and whatnot. Uh, but who guards the guardians? That is, who gets to train these guardians? Who gets to just make all these decisions? Here's an example. I, when I was at college, I came in one day and told Wen Mint, who was the head of the mathematics department, I said, Man, I've been a, Wen, I've been a racist. He says, what? Because he knew me rather well. I says, well, I'm now been told that calling someone an Oriental is racist. He looked at me and says, who makes these decisions? We're going to have to beat How that. Do get uh, he said Oriental, take that out. So Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> he says what's wrong with the word oriental I says I don't know I'm just telling you that they say that's racism to call you that and he shook his head he was like what so who created the fact that oriental was racist or hate speech or whatever is it yeah who, who where do these people live and I don't do, think do I don't think I'm, you can call yeah you, they just don't answer but they do have a number and I, I don't think that Occidental is racist, though. Only Oriental. Oh, okay. <laughs> you, it's like taking a driver's test. You have to read the manual and memorize it. Right. <laughs> but anyway, I just, uh, I, by the way, I, in the intro to a lot of my videos I make now, I say I oppose all censorship, particularly hate speech laws. So, now that doesn't mean I want you hating or I want you, but... I just, I, it, once you open the door to censorship, it, ne- it never gets smaller. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger because once they can be offended by something you said and they shut you down on that, then they're going to find a little more and a little more and a little more. Till finally what we're having now, what I find interesting is, is all these censors remind me of the Grand Inquisitor. Mm-hmm. And so there's an Inquisition going on and there's only one point of view that's available. And every, if you don't believe in that, then you're a heretic. This was in Spain, right? Yes. So I find a strong analogy here between what's happening with the left, and yet they despise religion, and yet now then they have become just like those they despise. This has been noted in literature before, of course. Right, right. Yeah, that's really interesting. And it's, it's a characteristic of tyrants in every country, but one thing that's really different now is that they've got the capacity to try to set up a global tyranny, not just in a country. Well, it is. Let me give you an example of how uh, how global it's become. I created the term political Islam in its present usage. Now, other peoples had used it before me, but it was never a popular term at all. And I created it because I wanted to talk about the part of Islam that affects the non-believer, me. The religion of Islam I have no interest in. I mean, it's just of no interest to me. I'm not attracted by Islamic paradise, and I don't believe in Islamic hell. So I said, I only want to deal with the part of Islam that deals with me, and I'm going to call that political because it certainly is not religious. As a matter of fact, by definition, it can't be religious because I'm a kafir, I'm outside of it. Yeah, it's not religious for you, for sure, because you're not a member. Right. So here's the deal. It used to be, a year ago, if you Google the term political Islam, I owned the first three screens. It was all me. Yeah, which well, you wrote, wrote all, you wrote all those books about it, which are yes, great. Yes, and I, the Center for the Study of Political Islam, which actively works now. So, now then, two-thirds of those references are gone. Let me give yeah. you another example. It used to be that a year ago, if you Google the word jihad, Jihad Watch of Robert Spencer popped up to the top of the thing. It's now on page five. Right. 
Let me give you another example. I'm on a roll here. I was interested in looking up, somebody asked me about the mosque. I said, well, it's far more than a church. It has other things, it functions, it serves. And so I said, I'm just going to Google what those are. So I Googled mosque. Yeah. I've never done this before in my life. I didn't find anything on the first page. You just talked about it as a religious element, nothing political, such as mm -hmm. it can be an armory. It can be used for military training. It can be used as a court. It can be used as a community center. So I says, okay, next page, next page, next page. I went through 25, and there was an end of it, by the way. I didn't know there was an end to the Google search list. After 25 pages, there was not a single reference to the fact that a mosque could be used as an army or a military center. Okay. So wow. I then turned to DuckDuckGo, which is another search engine, and it was on the first page. Right. This is global censorship, Richard. Yeah, that's true. That's true. So when you look behind that at what that means... That means whoever is running this, which I, from what I can tell is a very small cartel of people at the top of the power structure, it's clear from how they're changing that what they want. And it's very important to them that no one thinks of Islam in any kind of a negative way at all, even if it's true. Is that Google accurate? has stated at one time that they would elevate those who praise Islam in the search engine and depress those who criticize Islam. Right. So they've stated it as corporate policy, and I'm telling you, it's working. But this is a yeah. global censorship. Right. And it has, right. Dreadful, it has dreadful implications because in elections, you would like to think that everybody could hear everybody's message. But what's happening is, is that more and more, those who are right of center, are not, their message doesn't get out or depressed and critical. Who was it? Somewhere there was some lady who was running for, she was Republican running for office. And I forget now which of the major ones, that maybe Facebook, just took her ad down. For what yeah. reason? They didn't want people to read her ad. Yeah, I, I, in fact, I contacted a, a, the office of a lady running for legislature in California yesterday because she had a great ad. It was really clear, logical, uplifting, inspiring, and so it was obviously taken down. And I called her to see if she'd be on the show, and I think she'll be on pretty soon. But that's happening all over the country, all over Europe. People are being arrested and going to jail now in Europe. Well, look at Tommy Robinson. Yeah. He was basically con con arrested for the political crime of they don't want him talking about the molestation of children in, in Great Britain by the Islamic grooming gangs. No, so, right. And I don't think the appeals judge who let him out understands what a big chance he's taking for his career because Tommy Robinson was not supposed to get out. Well, I think the thing he does, I, what little I know about it, he's the equivalent of a high, the chief of the Supreme Court, so he may be difficult to do something yeah. with there. But Good. Good. And, and, I, and I think he's appointed for life. But nevertheless, it was, he was being censored. He did not, he wasn't robbing people, he wasn't harming anyone. He was right. simply presenting news that they did not want to get out. And so well, that's and why they it, shut him down. And the news is not only about uh, Muslim grooming gangs, which are basically, if I understand it, rape gangs, mm -hmm. but, but it's for anything with child trafficking, exposing what's going on with the global industry of child trafficking and child sacrifice and things like that. You're not supposed to think that that's anything but a conspiracy theory. So anybody that starts bringing that out gets in trouble. I am deeply disturbed. I only, as an old man, I have time for only one issue. 
But there are many things on the periphery that I see. And one of those is sex trafficking. I think that there's something going on which is deeper and darker and far more big. That's not good English there, but I think it's yeah. much larger than we suspect. Or even yeah. And well, maybe I'm wrong there, but here's the point. So. I don't trust the media to report it correctly to me. Oh, no. Their job is to hide it, and they're doing as good of a job as they possibly can. But what, what I've come to, I've been looking at the global power structure, and if you graph it, it's a pyramid-type power structure. And Islam is a very powerful tool somewhere in the you know, upper third or so. And they're, they're really using that to destabilize society with the idea that people will ask for their own enslavement to become free of the chaos that that's causing. But above that, far above the level of elected leaders, is basically, you know, it doesn't matter what you call it, but I would describe it as a satanic uh, cartel. And they're into evil for its own sake, not for money. And people don't grasp that at all. But I think that's what's using the elements of Islam that are willing to do what Muhammad said for their own motives later on. I mean, it just looks like... I've been asked about the co- the collusion between the left and Islam, and I say, the left sees itself as the hammer, and it sees Islam as the anvil. And with it, the, those two things, they will bring down our society. What the left thinks is, is that after that has happened, then we will be able to create this utopia which we want. Yeah. But they do not understand Islam. <clears throat> yeah, because, let me give you an example. <clears throat> Let me give you an example of the left trying to use Islam. This happened in Iran. It was the left, the Tudor party, who brought uh, the Ayatollahs to power in in Iran. Five days after they took power, they issued death warrants for all the Tudor party leaders. So there's a historical lesson here that the left needs to understand is, you may think you can use Islam, but it will not work out like you think in the end, sir. Not at all. Right. Right. No, um, I, I think you're right. It's all tied up together. And actually, in the end, no matter what labels people use to try to describe parts of it, it's all toward consolidated tyranny. And whatever helps with that is useful as a tool. I agree with you. And I, by the way, am as much of a libertarian as I am. I'm not, there are issues in which you would call them. I can tell you where I consider myself to be a classical liberal, free speech. Classical liberalism used to include freedom of speech, freedom of the free press. And we now had then, marches that just for, been abandoned. We had marches for free speech with the liberals in Berkeley and Santa Cruz and places like that in the 60s. There was a park called People's Park yes. in Berkeley, remember? And they were giving speeches, the old Black Panthers, which were had a lot of really good qualities and were for, you know, freedom, you know, from oppression not really racial, but just for everybody. And they were giving speeches in the park about how you should be able to say whatever you want and not be screened. I agree with this, by the way. Yeah, they I mean, were if liberals. it's ridiculous or absurd or hateful, then walk away. Yeah, exactly. But now then, there are those same campuses, there have been riots with, with Antifa, or Antifa, ever how you say it, because they bring on conservative speakers. And these are reasonable men. I mean, their only, their only sin is to be uh, right of center. And yet there's riots. And then they want to turn around and say, if you're going to have another conservative speech, this is censorship. They say, well, you'll have to pay the $20,000 security charge. for. It's like, wait a minute. 
Certain speakers can have to pay $20,000 security charge, but the other people, they don't have to pay it at all. So you're charged according to your politics. This is so, dreadful. So when you look at that happening to the people called on the right, I guess, right, is what you were just saying, mm-hmm. who are labeled conservative, in the bigger picture, since to me a lot of the stuff they're saying is just self-evident common sense, mm-hmm. um, no, no matter what your point of view is, if you're you know, more or less a human, what, what does conservative and right-wing mean? What, what's that about? I still you know, I'm not really sure. I, I don't use those terms too much myself, particularly to describe myself. I go point by point on free speech. Call me a liberal, classical liberal, because I believe in free speech. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, blah, blah, blah. Right. But we're not, we're not talking about that. And, and maybe if somebody's yelling, you know, kill such a group, it's like, well, uh, we need to talk about this. Nancy but, Pelosi pointed out that you also can't yell wolf in a crowded theater recently. Sorry. What? <laughs> she forgot. Yeah. She didn't get it quite right. <laughs> I thought it was kind of amusing. <laughs> Sorry. And you and you probably somebody can't should, because you put out a little book about her <laughs> malapropisms. You know, I mean, it's like yeah, just so you get them right. Yeah. Anyway, aside from that, uh, about wolves and fire and everything, <laughs> you should be able to say pretty much whatever you think, and then people can either agree or not, right? And in the university, what we should be teaching is the how to debate. I'm, do they even teach how to debate anymore? It's like university should be filled with debate. So if it's about whatever it is, pick an issue that you can hold for it or against it, and you don't start screaming and yelling, try to shut people down, don't try to pull the fire alarm so they can't speak. It's, by the way, there's something which I don't know if we want to get off into, but I see that freedom of speech has a, we'll call it a spiritual quality. That is, as human beings, I think we have an innate right to be ourselves. And a part of what ourselves is, is how we think. And what ideas we have. So, I think that when you try to choke off speech, you're becoming less human. Well, it does have a spiritual quality because you can't have real spiritual investigation unless you, you know, all these great teachers in the past in history have said various versions of thyself. And you can't know thyself unless you're going to try to be thyself. And part of that is, you know, exploring it with speech. So, if that's... exactly cut off you can't know what's going on and uh and and so anyway i richard i'm appalled that uh, what's happening to our nation and the world in large because this idea that somehow or another that people who have ideas that you don't like there's something else by the way this is how they treat me they don't say what i say is wrong factual that is they don't address the intellectual quality they just say that i'm an evil person that is, a bigot is evil, a hater is evil, a racist is evil, an Islamophobe is evil. So they don't address anything anymore on the basis of facts. It's I saw like a video a, this morning with Stephen Marnewarth. I can never can think how to pronounce his last name when I think of how it's spelled. But anyway, they walked up, he and Lawrence Southern walked up to this group who were having a demonstration, and he said, I'd like to talk to you about what you're saying here on your sign." The man came unglued and started screaming at him what a racist he was, and the police came along and made them walk away. So he was offering to, he says, just tell me what you think and why you, why you think it. And that was considered to be offensive. Right. Well, you talked about, you know, not being able to say certain things 
and and it's not because they were wrong. And did we talk about on a previous show um, this new concept they've invented called hate facts? Because <laughs> that's a new thing that that's you you know forbidden. Is that they? It could be true, but if if it if anybody is offended by it, then it could be a hate fact, and and you could be guilty of expressing it. Have you read 1984? Yeah. Are we not just perfect? Is, could this not have been ripped from the pages of 1984? Yeah, I think you could call this 1985. Yes. I mean, <laughs> hate facts. Now, there are some things that are facts that I hate. We've already covered one. Child sex trafficking. I uh-huh. hate that. Yeah. So is that a hate fact? Hmm. Yeah, the, expressing that you hate it is, is hateful, too. Somebody could be offended at that. <laughs> it's just it's just like the 1984 concept, and I think you know what you've been saying points out something really interesting. There's a phenomenon underneath all this stuff, which is that a large segment of society seems to have become mentally deranged. It's not that they have an outside the box point of view that you don't like. It they can't express the point of view coherently, and they just go crazy and start wanting to. Hurt people and, and destroy things and scream. Well, this YouTube video this morning when when Stephen walked up and says, "I want to ask you what you're you know what you're saying here and what does it mean?" Which seems to me to be perfect opium to give him your sales pitch. Yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. And instead, he starts screaming at him what a racist he is and how you've killed how your ancestors killed my ancestors and it's like right what yeah and then the police push them away. Which, by the way, is sort of odd within itself because it was the man who was aggressive, literally in his face, poking his finger at him like this with a lit cigarette. Yeah. And so, I mean, this is not rational. This is purely emotional. And, I mean, he was, he was hating him. And, it, and yet the police enforced his hate. That is, when I say his hate, I'm talking about screaming at him about how your ancestors killed my ancestors. And, he, I, and Stephen didn't even know what ancestors he was talking about. Were these guys both the same so-called race or different races? Uh, well, Steven appears to me to be white, which is, uh, of course, a harm within itself. And yeah. the other guy appeared to be, I couldn't tell what race he was. Well, if he was some different race, that could be the reason the police did that. Because yeah, if, I, if I just you, suddenly realized if, you're... If I, you're I, a I race other on. than white, you are the victim, no matter what you're doing. Right. By the way, part of my education by my grandmother and my mother was... Don't be a victim. Yeah. But if you have problems, prevail. I remember one time I talked with a, with a historically black college one time, and I said, do you realize that if you make the victim your model for dealing with society, can I point out something to you guys? And these it was all black students. I said, a victim is a loser. Why do you want a philosophy of life based on being a victim? Because that's being a loser. I says, it just doesn't make sense to me. And, of course, they had no response to that. I loved, one of the things I loved about students was <clears throat> giving them contradictions or giving them questions in which they were like, I never thought about it like that. That, hmm, what does that mean? Yeah, yeah. And then how they respond after that tells you how far gone they are. Because if well, they, if they not, haven't gone they, completely they crazy, got, they could come back. If I did that today, I bet the, I bet the police would be in the in the office within, in, in the classroom within 10 minutes because somebody would phone and say, this is a racist. Which, yeah. by the way, has become another term which when it's like, it seems to be a term that is not really well defined anymore. It just seems we don't like you. We don't like it's, what you say. And so, therefore, 
it used to be the worst word you could say was called somebody a racist. And so I think it's just a slur, a curse word that's being used now. Yeah. It's like the whole idea of clarity of thought is disappearing. And it doesn't matter what the word means. You just scream it, you know, when you need to. Part of clarity of thought, I talk about this more than one time. A scientist precisely defines his terms because fuzzy terms lead to fuzzy concepts, which lead to fuzzy thinking. You need everything precisely defined. And yet people, like I say, at Facebook, they can't tell you what hate speech is. They, they, they don't know what it is. They, well, at least they could define it. And, and if they knew, they wouldn't want to tell you anyway because that limits how they can use it. Well, they have those community standards, which are, those are not published anywhere. Those are safely locked away where nobody can disturb them, you know. But very useful, evidently. Yeah, yeah they are. <laughs> it's just amazing. I mean, this is like a combination of 1984 and Kafka's The Trial and, you know, several other things like that, that they just depart from logic completely. By the way, can I point something out to you here, an observation, which is, have you noticed how rapidly this is coming about? Yeah, it's really accelerating. Through the lens of history, this is happening in almost immediate time. It's, uh, well, I, th- I think part of it in America right now is that they've got about two months until a big election. And they want the entire social media mechanism compromised before then. I think you are correct, sir. This is very political. Yeah, because if they can't find out anything about Donald Trump except he comes up under idiot on Google, that could affect the election. Yes. And this is all tragic, Richard. It's just, this does not have a good ending. And I would like to say that to those who think this is all so cool. This yeah. doesn't end well. <laughs> They're cheering for it. It's, it's bizarre. I mean, that's what the... I think the global rulers, if they have any kind of sense of humor... They think this is kind of funny because they are actually being successful in getting the victim to cheer for their own destruction. I agree. But it will not end well. And I'll say something else. What goes around comes around. It may take a while. And this is what I don't want. I don't... This is very upsetting to me. Yeah. Well, as as a country, we're not making very good karma at this point, right? Which is basically... Very bad karma. When... When morals become confused, when thinking becomes confused, how do you get a good how do you get a good nation out of that? How do you get a good community out of people who are confused, yeah. afraid? I, th- I think this is one of the reasons that Alex had to be shut down because he was saying, "Look, no matter what's done to you, don't take the bait of causing offensive violence, and just keep pushing unity." And what he thinks he got them to shut him down with most recently is in Portland, where they had beat up peaceful pro, uh, demonstrators before Antifa had come in and started hitting them with chains or whatever Antifa does, you know, when that happens. They brought like 10 times as many people this time and kept it peaceful. And they noticed that they were all colors, all races, sexes, genders, religions, and everything. And they were all really coherent, nice, and cooperative. And it just wasn't worth it for Antifa to really try to kill all of them, and they kind of gave up. Uh, and that could never be shown on, uh, on the media, you know. So the fact that it got out a little bit, Alex's prediction was after that he'd be banned from the Internet. And that's what happened. Now, mm. Trump, now Trump should be <clears throat> step, stepping in 
and overturning that censorship by whatever means he has to. But he's not doing it yet, and I'm not sure what's going on. I don't know. I've been watching politics for over 60 years, Richard, and Trump is, is outside. the. You talk about outside the box. He is outside yeah. the box. He yeah. does not. And but one of the things I have to be amused at is the things they criticize him for are the things when he ran on. He says, this is what I'm going to do. Exactly. And now they're screaming at him, and he says, I said I was going to do that. Well, he was the only peace candidate on both parties. The Democrats and most of the Republicans said they would shoot down Russian jets over Syria where Russia was invited and they weren't and try to start World War III. And he was the only one that said, that's not really a very good idea and we should be allies and cooperate. And with anybody that wants to be peaceful and positive and love their own country anywhere in the world, you know, that should be supported. It wasn't anything terrible. And, and right from the beginning when he was running, they had already analyzed what he was likely to do, and the orders were to smear absolutely everything. So when he sent a Christmas card in December with him in front of a Christmas tree waving and saying Merry Christmas, they said, what kind of an egomaniac would stand in front of a Christmas tree and wave? Can you believe how insane that is? And our country's in danger with a person like this, and it's never stopped. <laughs> I had not heard that, Richard. Yeah, it's so extraordinarily that. insane that I'm saying, I bet that's true. It, it, I saw it. It is true. And it, it's never stopped. So most of the stuff that's reported that he does on the mainstream media is completely made up. It's not even true. And it's taken out of... I've watched probably 30 of his entire speeches from beginning to end. And then I watched what the media reported on them. And there's no relation. I've not done that. That would be an interesting experiment. And as you see it, so you know what happened. You right. were there, as it were. Right. And then you see what they reported happened. Yeah. Mm. Same with Alex Jones. I watched him say, I don't hate black people. CNN edited it to say, take out the, the don't. And that's what they put no. on. No. Oh, yeah. Every day. Oh. And he kept pointing out, you know, you guys do this and here's the tape of before and after editing, and they really got upset at that. So he had to be banned. That, that's what's going on. And it's, we, we keep going over all these points, and it, the viewers are going to always just see me just shaking my head. I mean, I don't, I <laughs> I mean, I don't really... I, uh, why, why do you need to do that? I mean, because, and, and, because of their goal. They're, they're the mouthpiece of about five corporations all of whom interlock at the top levels. They have the same agenda, and the agenda is eliminate individual countries and have centralized tyranny prior to extermination of life on the planet. And that's what they're after. It's real simple. The rest is details, as they say. So we're watching it unfold. And our challenge is, how do we become creative enough to not have that happen? Well, here's the way we're having to become, con this is it's just a small thing, but I'm preparing for the future in that, like I have an email list of over 10,000 names. And one of the things they did with Alex Jones was they just collapsed his database of people who received his emails and notices. MailChimp so right now, kicked him out, yeah. So it turns out we use MailChimp too, so all of a sudden it's like, whoa, wait a minute, we have to back up every week right. our list because they can shut me down. 
all these corporations are in such close collusion, the conspiracy theorists have no idea. It is way beyond what they think. And so PayPal, all the banks, all the airlines, all, all the social media giants, I mean, all these companies, they're completely unified. They just have a facade of being separate. And that's you know, what if, if we logically ex- extrapolate from where we're going here, is the day will come when also the power company will say, I'm sorry, we're shutting your power off. We don't like your politics. And the phone is being shut off and the water is being shut off. And you go, oh, that will never happen. Yeah, but you're free to change your political voting and then it'll be turned right back on. <clears throat> right, then we'll turn it right back on. So, I mean, when I say that, it sounds absurd and ridiculous. And yet I'm going, if we just no. extrapolate what's happening now. You know about the Sesame score in China? I think I do. Tell me about it. Yeah, it's really friendly. That's why it's called Sesame, like Sesame Street. Yeah. And what, what it's about is everything that you do on social media, which is all monitored real time, and everything that you do in your business transactions, your email communications, all that stuff, is analyzed by AI. And if you are a support for the party and for the government, then you get a higher, like a credit score that goes up. And then you get special privileges like you can travel you can buy food you can have a bank account stuff like that and if your score is below a certain level at each level you lose certain of those state privileges there's no question of rights because those are a conspiracy theory everything is granted by the state and so this is a prototype that will be brought to the u.s and apple now for example is completely moved to china and they've shared all the code keys all the passwords everything with the chinese government and so that's the prototype. And you can see the future by looking there. And so that's kind of a concern at the moment. I, uh, I, I'm left again with just sort of, <laughs> I mean. Yeah, what can you say? I mean, this is so wacky. And yet I know what you're saying is true because, I mean, I've come up with the same thing. And by the way, the first I heard about this was when I was in Denmark. They were talking about how the Swedes would cross the bridge at Malmo and come over to Denmark where they could smoke cigarettes and get as drunk as they wanted. Right. Here's the first step of that. You can see I was just the beginning. In Sweden, where they use very little money, everything's not on a credit card, if you have too many purchases at a liquor store, you get a knock on the door with a social worker, we need to talk to you about your drinking. Right, right. And the other right. thing he said they would come over to Denmark to do was just to talk. <laughs> and not be worried about who at the table next table to him heard. So Sweden was a leader on this, it, but yeah. I bet you the efficiency of the Chinese people will put this. Do, what kind of a society will this produce a century later? I mean, this is inhuman. Well, we don't have to worry about it unless they're way behind schedule because they don't plan to have a society in a century. You know, you could talk about 10 years, though. That might be okay. an issue. But, but, I mean, I trust people enough. Ah, let me talk about this. China does not trust its citizens. England does not trust its citizens. Think about what that means, is that you're running a country, but you can't trust the people out on the street anymore. You have to manipulate them and control them because they're not trustworthy. Right. Well, when you, as a human being, when you're not trustworthy, I mean, that's degrading. Well, that's what's going to be so great about the Sesame score, because that'll in influence people to become more trustable. Yeah, trustable to follow Big Brother. Yeah, 
Exactly. In fact, we just... Brother loves you. Yeah, absolutely. Otherwise, anything else is hate speech if you deny that. But we just had a a guest on who was in Vietnam uh, undercover investigating the um, attitude of the Chinese government toward the practitioners of Falun Gong, which is kind of a Uh mix of yoga, meditation, spirituality, and stuff like that. But it's illegal, I believe. Yeah, it's it's illegal now, and and, uh, they have certain areas with guided tours for Westerners to show total freedom. But outside those demonstration areas, they um, arrest them so that they can take their organs, and it's uh, involuntary donation of your organs. So it's kind of a serious situation, and uh, we were talking about that. It fits together with all this. This is depressing, Richard. I'm sorry. I enjoy doing interviews with you, but I think this is the most depressing interview we've ever done. Yeah, well, probably so. But and you know, if we allow it to affect us that way, then we're we're agreeing with the power structure and doing what they want. So what I found is we have to have a combination of being able to strategically look at what's going on around us with the analytical portion of our mind and then take the emotional part and do not let it go there keep it connected to whatever is the most beautiful uplifting inspiring thing we can imagine and maintain that split and if we don't things are so weird we're not going to have the ability to look at them after a while well actually this is something that i have to deal with maintaining your morale is the first duty of a warrior and so when i'm faced with the fact that i use mailchimp and alex jones they stripped him down so immediately it's like i think that's terrible but immediately my response is we need to back up our database so that we have it in our hands every exactly, week. Exactly, exactly. And I sure. think it, there is a way to appeal to people, not just who are trying to follow Islam to the letter and, and you know cut your head off to make Allah happy, which a lot of them have done, unfortunately. But with any religion type of approach to life, which means this is the truth, you can't question it or you're bad. Um, you just must do it and don't think outside the box. There has to be something that we can offer a taste of to people caught in belief systems that attracts them and feels better. Because I don't think it can be overcome by fighting and force at this point. Nor do I. And I, if, you, if you go, I mean, I have all these videos and books. I never advocate force. I advocate knowledge and understanding and how to educate others as to what the reality is. I mean, basically, I run a school in a strange way. So it reminds me of the Trump uh, rallies during the presidential campaign of 2016. The Democratic leaders, for whatever reason that they've gone crazy, I don't know, but being used, you know, as paid tools of the higher power structure, they were sending disruptors to uh, make believe they were violent Trump people, mm-hmm. and the, tr- the Trump people in many cases recognized them, brought them in and, and said, you know, you guys are part of our group, we love you, and, and we'll give you access to everything. And they said, wait a minute, we were taught that you were terrible, and many of them converted. And really? I think, I think it's a clue of what could be done to change it from depressing to exciting. And I want to investigate that. Good. Yeah, I think we could do it. So the question is, you know, in previous shows we've gone over, if somebody follows Islam to the letter, according to the Quran, not the imams or anything, some imams, yeah, but the the Quran, the Sirah and the Hadith, and what Muhammad said, and what supposedly Allah wants, what makes him happy or unhappy, um, 
you know, they're going to be doing some not very friendly things and taking over the world to make world peace by killing everybody that disagrees. A perfect fit with the global rulers. But I think we're walking around with positive healing power that is much stronger than the insanity. And so the main objective of the global rulers above everything else, because they know the dormant power that we have in that direction, keep us unconscious. And once you understand that's the main objective of everything until they're ready to kill everybody, um, then our job clearly is become conscious as quickly as possible so it spreads. Well, as you know, my whole business that I try to do is to instill a positive attitude, to realize this is a war of ideas, and not a physical war, but a war of ideas, and you need to know the subject better so that you can explain to others what the reality of the matter is. So I agree with you. I just That's what I try to do basically and what I do in my daily life. Right. And you've had some defections, haven't you, that people actually say, wow, I guess that makes sense. Yeah. No, I have. I've been one of the best seri uh, series of lectures I ever gave were in Calgary, Canada. A woman came to, I gave three lectures, one after the other. And a woman came on the front row. She gave the appearance of being Islamic. And she took furious notes. I mean, and then asked many, many questions. And I answered all of them. Uh -huh. In the second lecture, she took many fewer notes and asked very few questions. On the third lecture, she took no notes and asked no questions. When the talk was over and everybody left the room, she came over to me, stuck out her hand to shake my hand. I says, well, she's not too Sharia compliant. And she <laughs> says, I want to tell you that I tried to talk with the mayor of Calgary to let you not speak here because I said you were a hater. But she said, I've listened to what you've said today. You never demean, you never degrade, you never mock, you never ridicule. You just say, here's what it is and here's what it means. And she says, I now have many questions I need to ask my leaders. That, to me, was the perfect result. That's incredible. And what you did is you proved that the hypnosis can be broken. Yes. Because that is our, our main you know, way in through this thing to change it from depressing to exciting. Is well, that was exciting for me. I mean, it, that made my day. Yeah. But as she said, you didn't degrade, you didn't ridicule, you didn't mock, you didn't anything. Right. So, so it's, it's not, we're not just another voice of division saying, you know, certain belief systems are good and certain ones are bad. We're saying the whole paradigm of, of splitting into good and bad is what leads to endless war. And well, unity is something different. I just say these different. are the facts. And yeah. I, you, you're, you're not old enough, but there used to be a, a, on TV, there was something called Dragnet. I saw it. Oh, you did? Just yeah. the facts, ma'am. Just the facts. Yeah, it was and great. I'm a just the facts kind of guy. <laughs> exactly. No, I think it's great. And you're also, there's something beyond that that you're contributing because you're not just saying a list of facts. You're also demonstrating what a person's like when they don't actually hate anybody. I'm a nice guy. <laughs> yeah. That's a deep concept, I think. I mean, if people learn how to be nice, it would be like a, a major leap for humanity, I think, yeah. beyond any complex belief system. And you're, I mean, if you're like that, no matter what people think or see or hear, they feel it. And it's hard to have a fight with somebody who's not being your enemy. Well, like I say, I mean, people who watch me doing the interviews with you, this is who I am. 
I yeah. don't have. I only have one face. That's the face you see. I don't have another face. Right. right. And I actually like people a lot. I have yeah. kids, grandkids. So I like people. Right. And you know too that any of us can fall into these hypnotic states. It's not just oh. bad people. And we've all done it in different ways. And as yep. soon as you re- realize it's happened to you, then you can't really condemn anybody for anything. You can just say, well, maybe I can help you, you know, get out of it if I'm a step further out of it than you right now. By the way, the first time I really learned how to use the Socratic method was when I had all my friends. This was after I began to learn what Islam really was. My wife worked in the film business, and so a lot of our social friends were her cohorts, and they were all, without exception, uh, left of center. And so I learned that the way to educate them was to ask them questions. And then they would give me their answer, and then I would ask more questions, and then occasionally tell them something. And one guy, one day, someone was in my house, and when he left, he says, damn your questions. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, because what I was doing was, I was changing his head, because he was having <laughs> to think about things that he hadn't thought about it, before. It threatens the was, security that the old beliefs give him. Right. So he was like, he, he was, it was a different kind of uncomfort. Because he was like, he was yeah. like, hmm. Because what seemed okay in his head when he started mouthing it was like, ooh, that doesn't really sound so good when you say it like that, does it? <laughs> that, that, that's somebody who can wake up. Yes. It's, it's really exciting. And finally, in the end, by the way, I persuaded all of them. Wow. I persuaded all of them. They were like, hmm. Be okay, interesting. And what, well, what it was was is that their ideas were not sustainable based on facts. Whereas everything I said, it was like, just the facts, ma'am. Just yeah. the facts. Yeah. Right. So, sorry, everybody. I just figured out that the light system was down. I got it back on. And we were just talking about the Socratic method uh, with Dr. Warner. And he was saying that was a good way to get through to people that, you know, you might kind of, uh, not have the best communication if you just go forward in a more confrontational way. But if you ask questions, then the defenses don't have to be up and you can make a lot more progress. So, um, Dr. Warner, if you can explain how you were using the Socratic method at that particular gathering that you were just talking about. Well, it wasn't exactly a gathering. This went over some period of time, months actually, maybe nearly a year. Oh, okay. So when I would meet them... This was back in the days when I was on fire with all my new knowledge. Right. Uh, now then, I really don't bring it up unless people display an interest. Because <laughs> yeah. I've sort of gotten the freshman enthusiasm out of my system. Yeah, much but more wisdom. So, okay. One of the things I learned to do, it's always good to do, the, two things I learned from doing this. Number one, when somebody tells you something and you're trying to debate with them, sometimes it's very useful to repeat what they said. And this does two things. Number one, it lets you understand what they're saying, because sometimes, no, that isn't what I meant. But it also does something else. It means they know you've heard them, and so therefore sometimes it cuts down on the endless repetition. You ever argue to somebody, they just read the same thing over and over and over again? Yeah, yeah. So that does that. But one of the most useful questions I learned to ask people was, where do you get your information? And for most people, this is a knee-breaking question, because it turns out they get it from wherever but it's and then when i reply say well i get my information from muhammad and allah well already no matter where they're getting their information it's not the quality mine is matter of fact i have kind of a joke i get my all my teachers were dr allah and professor muhammad 
Yeah, I mean, that makes you kind of a, a junior prophet almost. Because you're, <laughs> you're just relaying accurate information from the from the prophet himself, right? Who's right. accurately relaying it from God, so pretty reliable. Anyway, that's, uh, that's part of the... Uh, th- those are two of the most useful questions. And I still do that sometimes, say, well, where do you get this information? And most time people don't even really know or it's something, you know, off of CNN news or somebody they just heard said. Or I met this Muslim at work and he said, one of the things I tell them is, you may have had a Muslim tell you this, but the Muslim that I deal with is Muhammad. Now, here's the deal. If your Muslim agrees with Muhammad, then he's right, but redundant. If your Muslim doesn't agree with Muhammad, then he's wrong and we don't need him. So either way, what we want to do is we want to go to Muhammad. And by the way, you want to go to Muhammad before you go to Allah. And the reason is, the whole business of God can be tricky to reason with and deal with, but Muhammad was a guy. He was a man. He woke up in the morning, he went through his day, he went to bed at night. And so everyone can understand another man's life. But understanding the Quran, uh, that's notoriously hard to do. So those are some of the things I learned in dealing with progressives. But, what about all the people that get their information from um, one or the other of the imams? How uniform is that, and how? what's the basis on which the imams get their information about Islam? Well, of course, the imams get their information from the same place I do, uh, okay. Allah and Muhammad. Those are really the only two sources for the, the root of Islam. So all the imams, now what they'll do, they have a mastery of the material and can be very clever in how they present it and what they don't present. Mm-hmm. I've been an expert witness in court trials, and I'm asked to swear that I'll tell the whole truth and nothing but the truth. So the whole truth is no half-truths, because right. as you know as well as I do, half-truths are one of the most subtle lies, because after all, it has a cornerstone of truth, but eh. The other thing, by the way, I learned was to it was not to oppose what people say, particularly if it's right, but only half-right, I say, well, let's look at the whole story. Let's look at the whole thing. And that is one of the most useful things you can do in debating. Is to say, is, that way you're not saying you're wrong. You're just saying, let's talk about the whole truth here. Because you're only telling me half of it. Right, right. Okay, and you know, when you look at the main topic that we're looking at today, which is censorship in relation to Islam and what's going on with Islam right now, the first thing that comes up to my mind is what's going on in uh, I guess what used to be Europe and is probably coming towards the U.S. pretty quickly, which is that you can't do what you do, which is you can't recite Quranic verses or other scriptural verses in Islam, or you may be arrested and put in prison. So what's actually going on with that? I'm not aware of this, by the way. Yeah. But it, we're, it, we're, it, it's common. It's, uh, for example... Uh, Paul Joseph Watson talks about it a lot. So does Tommy Robinson, who just finished uh, spending several weeks in jail for saying that there was a trial of a rape gang going on, standing outside the courthouse. Uh, was By the arrested. way, I've got some dreadful news. Uh, it's not confirmed yet, but yeah. they're going to press charges with him again. Yeah, I wouldn't be at all surprised, because this is our topic. It's censorship, and make putting him in jail means that he can't, speak as openly and what he was doing is he co-authored a book that you may have seen with i don't remember unfortunately the name of the other author 
whose name is first on the book, but um, it's called Mohammed's Quran. And uh, it's showing what Mohammed said, just like you're talking about. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people who are quoting the book and quoting those verses are being accused of hate speech just by quoting them, especially on social media. Not anything about them, just quoting them. Whoa, this is news to me. This is a whole new level of... Uh, and, but like I say, I quote Quran very little. I usually just stay with Muhammad. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, yeah. That, but that's included in this new policy. And that if you post a YouTube video, for example, uh, talking about verse A, verse B, verse C that are in the three scriptures of Islam, um, you can very commonly get that video banned mm. from quoting those verses, even if you don't say anything about them. Well, I can confirm this to some degree. I have, uh, the best thing about what I do is I get to meet really wonderful people. And right. one of the people I got to meet was a uh, North African Jew named Pierre Rehov, who now lives in Israel. Huh. And he put together a 10-minute clip of jihadists who body bomb didn't go off or they tried to commit an act of jihad and it didn't work. And all he did was to show their face and with them talking about why they did what they did. Put it up on YouTube. Now, this is pure data. This is pure information. There was no comment with this. It was just translated, taken down in 20 minutes because it violated their, what do they call it, community standards. Community standards, standards, right. Right. That's exactly what What are those community standards? I think we've asked this question before, but where are they found? That's classified information. You might misuse (laughs) them if you know what they were. (laughs) <laughs> I guess I don't have high enough security clearance to know what community is. No, no. In fact, most of the employees at YouTube don't have that clearance either. So, um, but anyway, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And um, I think that's a really interesting phenomenon that's happening. And you're not supposed to notice anything unusual about it. In fact, if you just say there was a jihadi attack and he's saying, you know, that... Um, this is for Muhammad and Allah, and he drives a bus over people or something. If you report that it was um, an Islamic attack, you can also be fined or go to jail. Well, I do know that I was a small hullabaloo in England when the person said it was a Muslim. You can't use the word Muslim. You're supposed to use the word Asian. Yeah, exactly. So you picture somebody from Japan doing it or something <laughs> where, where they don't even, I don't think they allow any Muslim legal immigration in Japan even. I've heard this, but I cannot confirm it, but I've heard this more than once. Yeah. And, uh, and by the way, this business of not calling them Muslim, but calling them Asian, mm-hmm. this started with the very history of Islam, because when the Muslims came out of Arabia after Muhammad died, they weren't called Muslims, they were called Saracens, they were called uh, Arabians, Arabs, and then when they invaded the Balkans, they were called Turks. And then when they invaded uh, France, uh, not France, but Spain, they were called uh, Moors. Yeah. So we have a 1,400-year history of never saying the dirty words, which is Muslim and Islam. It just happens. Right. So it's not exclusively a modern phenomenon that you can't describe it in detail. Well, actually, um, now the censorship, this is new. But in the past, just about everything that we do, it has things, I mean, like, 
there's a history of this. We've been doing we've been doing it wrong for 1400 years, Richard. For instance, the only war that we've tried to fight against Islam is kinetic war. Well, that's not what you need. What you need is ideological war. We need to go to the core of the problem. The core of the problem is not a jihadi or an imam. The core of the problem is the doctrine of Islam. So that's what we need to dwell on. That's where the battleground needs to take place. Right, and and the main people that that would save are actually Muslims, I imagine, because they're the ones that have to follow those orders, right? Yes. So, but by the way, you realize what we're describing here, and I don't know that we've said this, perhaps we haven't, I don't remember. What is being attacked here is reason, the very act of reasoning. Our civilization has an ethical cornerstone of the golden rule, doing unto others you would have them do unto you, and it has many variations, love your neighbor as yourself, whatever. But mm-hmm. what this means is the others and your neighbor here is all others. So it is a unitary ethical system. Now, Islam has a dualistic ethical system. How you treat a person depends on whether they're Muslim or Kafir. So we, and the other cornerstone of our civilization is critical thought, Socratic reasoning. Well, this is very important because this is what's being taken away from us. Because, Richard, when you can no longer think right, you can no longer act right. You can no longer do right. And your life is not going to succeed, nor the life of your society either. Yeah, that's a really good point. In fact, that's one of the reasons that the censorship is attacking words and saying certain words are not okay to say. Because mm-hmm. the idea is that taking away vocabulary um, theoretically could take away thought as well. Well, good, clear thinking depends on good, clear use of words and terms and ideas. If you have fuzzy words, you get fuzzy ideas, and then you get fuzzy logic, and then you just get the wrong answer. Yeah. So, but it's this, so this whole business of we need to, I'm a scientist. The best thing I got, there were several things that I got out of my education as being a scientist, but one of them was how to think. Oh, and another thing that I learned getting a degree in, in physics was you, all, uh, you always have a working solution, a working idea in your head of we can do this. Be a, if you listen to people carefully, they just go, oh, well, you can't do anything about it or whatever. But right, So right. The, there's, an optimistic intellect, there's an intellectual optimism here, which is we can figure this out. We can do this. We don't know what it is now, but through a process, we will do that. Well, and, I, oh, think, I think that's incredible. It's just saying that theoretically there's a solution for everything. Yes, right. we, we need to do that. And by the way, one of the things that YouTube is thinking about doing is taking down all the YouTube. Is it's not just Islam that this is happening, this madness. Right. Saying, I read this morning that they want to take down climate deni- climate change deniers. Yeah, exactly. Because the science is totally settled, right? There's no can more I, question. Can I let you in on a little dirty secret here? <laughs> in science, sure. nothing is ever settled. It's always capable of being revisited. Yeah, they forgot that little part, or, or they don't well, want you to remember it. I mean, I've seen Nobel laureates talk about the fact that climate change is not what the problem is. And... These people, so they're going to, YouTube, in its infinite wisdom, is going to say to somebody who has a Nobel Prize, well, <laughs> no, 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 we can't, we, we won't let you, we give you a platform because, I, because we know more than you do, I guess. Yeah, it, it's part of a larger campaign. I mean, it's running towards getting arrested if you say um, that there are only two genders in biology, for example. That, that's I thought, likely you talk about subtle science, Richard. I thought this was settled science. Uh, no, well, it might have been settled before, but now we've made new breakthroughs and found out it's not true. <laughs> new breakthroughs, really? Yeah, apparently. 
So mm-hmm. things that were really hard to understand before we're getting now. So um, it's really interesting. There, there is. They agree with you that going after the ideology is the important thing. So they're going after our ability to uh, talk about all of these things and making it illegal. Well, what I wanted to bring up is the that you said there was this idea that there's a theoretical solution to everything, which is a really uh, open, positive outlook to investigation that in, you know um, encourages you to to look deeper into something if you're not seeing the answer. So my question is, um, with Islam, for example, and you have the issue that the members of it that are following the three scriptures to the letter form, you know, function like uh, ISIS, for example, which is led by the man who has a PhD in Islamic studies and is trying to be very accurate and true to the words of Muhammad. But he so, doesn't really understand Islam. Oh, he doesn't? I'm sorry. What? What no, no, is he? If saying? you don't like what he said, then he didn't understand Islam. <laughs> and by oh, the way, Abu Bakr al-Baghdadi is yeah. a crack scholar. That's what I was saying. I'm talking about him. Yeah. Yeah. So the question is, in physics, you just explained, it's assumed that there is always some answer, known or unknown, in the immediate present to a, a, an issue. Mm-hmm. So the question is, if you, just in general, have people following something on the, on a religious basis, whether it's Islam or the religion of uh, vaccinations that are safe and effective and that science is settled, or, you know, anything else that government or, or global corporations want you to believe because you just have to believe it, which is kind of a religious approach rather than science. How do you solve the problem of getting their followers to regain consciousness before they destroy the world in some way? Well, of course, that's what my life consists of, is trying to teach people what the real problem is and what the real solution is. Uh, I mean, my whole life is an exercise in logic and reason. Now, I have, and there are times when I can become unreasonable, I'm sure, but by and large, that's what my whole purpose is. Uh, I now start off with my videos, and one of the things I say, I, I, I question authority. Now, that doesn't mean I reject authority, but I question it. Right. So, uh, it's... Uh, okay, and, so... And, and, it, and everyone should question authority, because when you can no longer question authority, which is what they're beginning to tell us, Richard, no, you can't question... That's say, right. In fact, if you question authority, you're actually a danger to humanity. Or, or uh, you question what they tell you science says. Right. You know? um, so, what is, with your life focused on this, uh, logic and reason and, and finding answers to things, defining problems and getting solutions, how, how are you progressing along the way of the solution to people being willing to commit suicide and murder for their religion, which they're not allowed to question. What can we do with that? Well, again, I just use reason. And mostly what I deal with are people who want to learn. And that's, I guess that's really what my whole marketing campaign is, is to find somebody who wants to know something. Right. And, and sometimes we have those breakthroughs. I just received a telephone call an hour before from a man from New Zealand who was talking about the fact that using my books, he's now trying to write letters into the... Uh, newspapers and other such places to correct errors that he sees in the new reporting. Well, this is what my whole desire is, is that this is now a man who's using fact-based reasoning. Mm -hmm. And the facts are what Muhammad did and said and what there's in the Quran. 
So it's all about fact-based reasoning. It's not authoritative reasoning, which, by the way, Islamic reasoning is based on authority. Nothing you say or do can go be outside of the, those three books, Quran, Sirah, Hadith. So it's a box. Every answer has to be found inside of that box. Right. Now, this, of course, gives us something to look at, because if all your answers are in the box, this should have a manifestation in society. And the manifestation in society is, is that Islamic scholars rarely win Nobel Prizes. And well, but have the positive manifestation also is that the people that disagree, a lot of them are being eliminated. So that could be seen as progress, right? Well, you might call it progress, but I've known of Muslim scholars who were murdered because of things they wanted to say. There was yeah. one man who was a uh, Islamic scholar. He says, "Look, we need to reverse the things. We right now, Medina is the political jihad part of the Quran, and he says it's the last, and therefore it's the." It's the uh, it abrogates all the previous. He said we need to turn this all around so that we just deal with the Quran of Mecca. Mm -hmm. That's the final word. So well, he wants to invent reverse abrogation. Exactly, he wanted to install <laughs> reverse abrogation, and then uh, he was I forget either. I think he was thrown out of a window and paralyzed for the rest of his life. Mm. So, but this is authoritative reasoning. That is, if you go beyond the bounds of reason, as is reason that has to be found in a box, then you'll be harmed. Yeah. But it's... Uh, but but the, the solutions that you're kind of moving toward are to explain to non-Muslims what Islam is, right? Yes. Well, what about the, the important issue to explain to Muslims what Islam is? I'm glad you asked that, because I know of two different scholars who are using... One uses the Quran. These are both... Uh, Christian ministers. Uh, one of them is a former apo uh, Muslim. He's an apostate. He was a Shia Muslim in Iraq. Right. And what he does is he goes into Iraq, and where he likes to go is is the parts of Iraq that have been controlled by Islamic State. And he talks to the man, and he says, and he says, did you like this, this, and this about Islamic State? No, that's terrible. Well, are you aware of the fact that that is pure Muhammad, pure Sunnah? And then he uses my little books, The Life of Muhammad, to say, see, he did this and said this. Now, you don't like it when Islamic State did it, but do you like it when Muhammad did it? Well, this, of course, produces a great doubt because, no, they don't like that at all. Yeah, yeah. So what he does is, is sort of like, that, that's the heavy artillery and he breaks up the big problem. Then, only then does he start telling them about Christianity and Jesus. But before he ever tells them what he sees as the solution... He first has to convince them that what they have is the real Islam, and they don't want the real Islam. And I know a man in Australia who's a uh, Christian minister, and he does the same thing except he uses the Quran, so, which is a more difficult task, but he does. He's converted some 2,000 Muslims to Christianity. Let me get this straight. I don't care if he converts them to a Christianity, Judaism, Buddhism, atheism, or Zoroastrianism. I don't care. Right. Right, right. So it's not just wanting your team to beat the other team. I, th I think the reason that you're wanting to make changes is so that they don't continue doing some destructive things, right? Sometimes these destructive things, by the way, are to themselves. I mean, I could not imagine that a family of a mother and a father would have the clitoris removed from their little girl. I mean, that's harm. Yeah, now, now how much does that come directly from the three scriptures? Well, we do know this, that uh, there was female genital mutilation or female circumcision. 
I don't like the term female circumcision because it makes an analogy to male circumcision. If you want to call it female circumcision, imagine that for the man you just completely cut off the penis. That's the more the equivalent. Right, right. So it was present in Muhammad's day, and he never condemned it. So the Sunnah is, it was, he never said it was wrong. He never so much, there are cases in which he advocated for it, but not in a big way. So there are some Sharia scholars who say, yes, it's obligatory, and others say, yes, it is desirable. But those are two different things. But so there it is. But I just, I don't understand how that got started. I mean, that to me is just, but of course we know why it's done, because therefore if the woman has her clitoris removed, she's not going to be ever doing any hanky-panky with anybody else because she didn't have the urge at all. Right, right. So that's the purpose is to subjugate the woman. And I think that the subjugation of women is a great error. I was raised by my mother and my grandmother. I I have daughters, granddaughters. I have an enormous respect for women, and I do not see why they should be subjugated or treated as less than a human being. Well, and and it's it's not explained in in the Islamic scriptures why they do it either, is it? No, that's left up to your, it's not, or is it? I can't say, but I do know that it it has the desired biological effect of lack of desire. Well, no, I mean why they subjugate women at all. Oh, I don't. I don't think that's explained why they just say they're uh, inferior beings. But how well, they the arrived Quran at lays that, this out very clearly. The Quran has in Surah four, women lays out the idea that women are to be the prisoners of men. That's said in Muhammad's last speech. He said. Women, treat them well because they are your prisoners. And if they don't obey you, 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 offer, you owe them food, clothing, and shelter. That is your obligation. And what their obligation is is never have any hanky-panky or be sexually attractive to another man. So this we see the structure of the whole doctrine of Islam with regards to women. Women are to be subjugated, particularly sexually, but subjugated in all manners. There's another verse in uh, Surah 2, the cow in which it lays out the rules for evidence in court. And it takes two women to equal the testimony of one man. Now, let's talk about the crime of rape. If a man in Islam rapes a woman, her testimony against him is worth half of his. So when he says, nope, didn't happen, she says, yes, it did, do the math. Right. She loses. So the subjugation of women is part of the central doctrine of Islam. But of course, right. what Islam tells us is, is they honor women. Yeah, well, I don't want to be honored like that, thank you, sir. Well, what I was saying is that it does say to subjugate women and that that's natural and what you're supposed to do, but it doesn't say why. You know, Allah says it. I mean, they, 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 I'm giving you the reasoning. Allah says it and Muhammad agreed. Right, uh, exactly. For instance, there's the whole thing about wife beating. Uh Wife beating is advocated in the Quran. Wife beating is advocated in the Sirah. It's advocated in the uh, Hadith. So, one of the more famous Hadith of Muhammad says, never ask a man why he beats his wife. And what did I just tell you? Wow, that's interesting. Now, here's what's even worse. In countries which they move into, the police, by and large, do not press wife beating charges. If you're a if you're not a Muslim and the police come to a house and there's a ruckus and there's any sign at all the woman's to be abused, arrests will be made, but not if they're Muslim because that is their culture. And Richard, 
what is the insanity of feminists saying, well, female genital mutilation, female circumcision, that's just their culture. Wife beating, that's just their culture. Right, it's actually empowering the women when they do that. Ay, 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 ay. Call yeah. me a radical feminist, but I think that all women should be given the protection of the law in America. All women, Muslims included. Right, I agree. The, one of the really tricky parts comes up because in America, as part of the, um, is it the First Amendment? The same as freedom of speech, there is freedom of religion. Yes. So if the religion is the reason you're doing things that are, you know, pretty nasty in some cases, but it's your religion... What do you do about the First Amendment? Well, in the past, what has been happened is it was said that no, when your Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution says no document or anything else can trump or subjugate the Constitution, that is, this is the highest authority. So I give you the case of when, um, where's the, what's the more, Utah that was largely populated by Mormons and they had polygamy. So what they had to do, they had to drop polygamy from their religious doctrine in order to become a state. So the answer is, is in America, our doctrine is supposed to trump yours. But of course, now that what's happening in America is increasingly, the Constitution is useful only when it wants to be. But it's not, it's not applied against something like Islam. This is all very painful to me. It's right. I mean, what if your religion up like this? What if your religion says that you should blow up buildings? It's protected as a religion, right? So what do you do? But that's a political action which is not protected. Let's take 9-11, for example. They, the doctrine of Islam teaches that a jihadi goes immediately to heaven. So that's right. a religious thing. Paradise right. is involved in that. But parking those 737s inside of the World Trade Towers was a political action. If I choose to shoot you, which is just a small missile, then that is a crime, a political crime. So, so I think we have to sort out here some of part of religion, religion and politics. It, it's so tricky because the person who believes it as a religion is going to say, um, no, um, it's okay, it's not political because here it is in my scripture that I have to do it. Well, I define it political if it affects me because, sir, I am not, sir, Mr. Muslim, I'm not inside of your scripture, of your religion. As a matter of fact, as a kafir, there's no way, I, I, by definition, I'm outside of your religion. So whatever your religion is, I don't. Really, Richard, I don't really care what your religion is except on two issues. The first issue is what character does your religion give you and what ethics does your religion give you? If you think carefully what I've told you here, what I'm asking is because character and ethics are the interaction that you can have with me. What happens to you after you die? Do you go to your particular paradise or what? I wish you best in all things, but what I'm concerned about anyone is how it affects me. And then, by the way, this is my objection to censorship, because it affects me. Right. Nor do, I, nor do I want you censored either, by the way. Right, exactly. And, and when you look at censorship within Islam, for example, what about censorship within Islam of its own members? Not Kafirs, but other Muslims. Well, people are, people are harmed because they have religious ideas that are not found in the Quran or the Sunnah, and then they become an apostate. Because, see, leaving Islam has dreadful consequences. Now, let me say here that most of the time when you leave Islam, they don't kill you. Instead, what happens is you're shoved outside, the, you're shunned. Noni Darwish, when she converted to Christianity, her father said, I could kill you, but I choose not to do so. But never call us, never email us, never write us. You are dead to us. Well, Richard, this is pretty bad. Yeah. So it's, it is a shunning form of punishment. 
So there are consequences mm-hmm. for Muslims who ask too many questions. There was, I saw a statistic one where somewhere where I don't know how it was gathered, but in which it was said that 20% of the Muslims who come to America become apostates, but they're passive apostates. That is, they don't let they don't make an announcement to their community. They just don't do the prayers. They don't do the things you're supposed to do. They have a beer after work if they want to, but they never make any deal about it. And it, within Islam, it's an orthopraxy. That is, all they care about what you do is you practice it can be seen in public. Islam doesn't really place a big belief on your actual core passion connection to it. So long as you look good, then you're fine, okay. which is a peculiar aspect of, Christ- of Islam. Now, as it gains strength, if you live in an Islamic neighborhood and you're a nominal Muslim, they'll actually keep up with whether you go to the mosque or not and start chastising you for it. So leaving Islam is a capital offense, to use the legal term. Okay. Which well, I think is a crime against humanity, may I say. Yeah, I noticed, remember the, uh, the sequence of several videos that came out about the Muslim Brotherhood and, and the, these very brave people went under, undercover and talked to some of the leaders in Europe and had them explain how they were gradually taking over Europe and their plan was to eventually uh, have nobody but Muslims left in Europe. And in that, you know, very tight communities that they were showing, some of their activities were going to bars and getting totally drunk and doing other kinds of stuff. They didn't seem to be chastised by other Muslims within those groups. Mm-hmm. Did you notice that? Um, I, I did just not. thought it was interesting. Yeah. Here, <clears throat> by the way, we're not touching on why I stay with Muhammad and Allah. Right. Once you start talking about Muslims in general, you can prove anything. Right, because everybody's got Muslim their own interpretation. Doing it. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I knew a man who owned a bar. He said a lot of Muslims drank at his bar. But it's always possible. And this has been... And, so you don't prove anything about Islam. Look, Islam, let's talk science. Islam is the cause. The Muslim is the effect. The behavior is, yeah. So what, when they decide... I, I call the study of Muslims Muslimology, which is a term I coined... But stay with Allah, stay with Muhammad if you want to know the truth about Islam. Now, what is right. practiced, <clears throat> and Pew Research has done many polls on this, about 40% of all Muslims are devout. That is, they've not only practiced the five pillars, but they practice the Sunnah of Muhammad. So only 40% are really what you'd call devout. So that means if you ask the random Muslim a question, odds are you're just going to get a guy who's not fully devout. Now, here's the, here's the bad news. Only devout Muslims are dangerous to those who are not Islam. Only devout Muslims are dangerous. Because if you're wishy-washy, do a little of this, do a little of that, you're not going to be criticizing anybody or causing any big fight. Right. Yeah, that's a good point. So you're saying that the devout Muslims would be the only ones that would be likely to engage in uh, physical jihad, active jihad against other people. Yes, you have to be. Look, I'm not going to go out and get in my car and run to the mall and plow down people on the sidewalk for a whole bunch of reasons. But number one, that's a pretty firm commitment as a hatred against humanity. You have to have a lot of belief inside of you to do that. Yeah. The, what is, this is odd, but it is the, the more devout a Muslim is, the more dangerous they are to those around him. Which you would hope it would be just the reverse. Uh, yeah. Yeah, you would, except if you know what Islam says that you have to do to avoid hell and go to paradise. Well, so, that's all the Sunnah of Muhammad. 
You know, I think what this explains about our topic of censorship is that pointing out what Muslims are doing who are devout, who are engaging in jihad, would get in the way of the um, overall plan of the global rulers right now, which is just using Islam to help what they want to achieve. So the reason that you can't talk about that is, is it's working really well as far as they're concerned. Um, it's so, like a house of fire. Yeah, so it gets back to this issue of finding solutions, like you're talking about from a physicist's point of view. And if you see that the Islamic immigration, which is actually not being controlled by most countries anymore, it's being directed and controlled by the UN, and this changing of the word illegal immigrant to immigrant it is indicative uh, of the direction it's being pushed. Very much so. Right. By the way, I'm not a big fan of <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of the United Nations. Um, and the reason I'm not a big fan of the United Nations I have several. Number one, I distrust large organizations. But the yeah. other is 57 members of the United Nations are the OI form a coherent group called the OIC, the Islamic Cooperative. What is it? Organization of Islamic Cooperation. I think that's the current meaning. Mm, okay. Well, Richard. I'm really not interested in what I'm, someone who believes that I'm a kafir has to say about anything that I do. I mean, once you've said that I'm a kafir, which is an animal, which is lower than an animal and filthy and despised by Allah, right? I don't really care what you think. So I don't want to be. I don't want to be set up doing business with you. It, you know, it's very strange how this could have ever happened. But I think that when, as a country, you agree to be a member of the United Nations. The implicit agreement is that when they come up with a policy like eliminate borders, that you automatically agree to it. I don't. I don't agree. I mean, my bumper sticker for the United Nations is "UN out of U.S., U.S. out of UN, out of UN." Yeah. So, uh, and yeah. this is this is a sidebar and has nothing to do with our topic of censorship. But I'm just letting you a little bit know what I think and the reason of why I think it. I do not want to be having a Muslim who thinks that I'm a filthy, dirty kafir. I don't care what your opinion is about who I am and what I do, or my nation either. Go away, you bother me. Yeah, yeah. So it would really be better for the U.S. or any other country, really, that cares about its people not to be uh, going along with U.N. policies if that's the kind of thing they're doing. I wonder what the tech giants would say about that, because everybody knows that the U.N. is the height of moral passion and everything else. So you I, know. Know, I bet that if I wanted to do some videos about getting out of the United Nations, <laughs> Richard, I get a sneaking suspicion that the United Nations is subtle science, shall we say. Yeah, they, they would have to, SPLC would have to invent a new term for you beyond racist, hatist. You, you, you in a phobic? Yeah, something like that. It would have to be added on. But they would call me a name. They wouldn't address you. the issue with, with, about the facts that I would present. Instead, they would go like some version of racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobe. Right. And well, I, we know I it's true, even though we're joking about it. It is true, and I, I told you before I admitted that I had been a UN agent before when I was in elementary school, you know, collecting money for um, their organization, what's it called, UNICEF, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, but, I mean, I've repented of that since then, but I, I did do it. So, anyway, um, yeah, I think the, the censorship right now as a whole that's going on in the world 
talking about Islam being just one part of a bigger picture is because there's a big push that's accelerating rapidly to eliminating individual countries. Yep, and that to me is like now it's really great. By the way, you know something that's also been uh, eliminated with the use of uh, the, all these politically correct rules about what you can say and censorship? Comedy, humor. Oh, yeah. No, first it was really degraded and, and became, you know, pretty, uh, truly offensive to listen to and was not really very funny. And um, and now, you're right, I, I think it's, I haven't heard much of it around lately at all. I know there are comedians who, won't do, who will not play on college campuses. And, and by the way, <laughs> I've done some therapy in my day. And one of the things I learned doing therapy, it's not that I was... Uh, Crazy, but just, well, maybe it was crazy. But anyway, I just knew I wanted to have a life with less contradiction. Yeah. And that is, I learned that humor was an indication of how healthy you were. <laughs> That's interesting. No, it is. If you have some suffering or pain, when you finally worked with it and ironed it out enough in your life that you can make a joke about it, yeah. you're healed. Wow, that's a really interesting concept. It's, it makes sense. I mean, do, do you see what I mean? I mean, you can be lighthearted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, in other words, it, it's kind of uh, the corollary of the other principle that if you're emotionally healthy, you don't get offended. Right. I mean, it, trust me, in my job, you don't want to get offended <laughs> when you open up the comment section. I right. get called some fairly negative things, shall we say. Yeah. But anyway, I've learned that humor, and by the way, when I was a boy, I grew up in rural South, one of the things that was a process of going from a boy to a man was, is you could be kidded and made fun of and make jokes about. You had to learn how to take a joke. You mm. had to learn how to take an insult. And one of the marks of being someone's real friend was you could insult each other. I mean, oh, this is all part of health, mental health. So you learn to just laugh it off. Wow. And if you couldn't, they'd keep pecking at you till they got your goat, as we called it. Yeah. I like that idea, though, because if you applied that on an international scale, uh, you'd have very few wars started. Right. But anyway, I think humor is very important. Uh, this is, I used to say this, that it was on the eighth day in the, using the Jewish model of the creation, the seven-day creation. He rested yeah, on yeah. the seventh. Yeah. I always said on the eighth day upon reflection on, the, on Sunday, he created humor. Because That's he realized great. we were going to need that to get through the whole thing. Yeah, uh, exactly. I don't think that's any part of anybody's religious dog dogma, but anyway, no, that's yeah, my way yeah. of talking about it. Humor is right. overwhelmingly important, and it's being taken away from us. It seems like everybody's got something to be offended about. It's like, I mean, people are getting offended about things now. It's like pronouns. Um, yeah, exactly. In fact, there, there have been laws proposed in California, which is a state that's generally leading the way to different consciousness, I guess, is that uh, you could go to jail or at least be fined by using the wrong pronoun or refusing to use a new pronoun for a new gender that you didn't know existed. Uh, as an old man, I've kind of stayed away from all the gender business. And besides that, I have all on my plate I need with Islam. But I'm like, right. what the? Well, it's just an illustration of mentality, you know. But anyway, I think that humor is important and political correctness and it's... There are no Muhammad jokes, you know. Although I had a, an apostate from Iran say, yes, there are Muhammad jokes. But anyway, I said, well, I've never heard of them. And uh, oh, I've been enough people who Allah jokes, die. but not Muhammad jokes. Oh, you, you've heard Allah jokes? What? 
You've heard a lot of jokes, you said? I'm told that there are a lot of jokes. I've oh, never, okay. I don't actually know them. But the point I'm making is, let me say it again, is I think humor is important. It's a sign of health. Yeah. And so you can take a joke. We can make jokes about anything. Right. And uh, that's being taken away from us. And that's pernicious. I mean, right. that, and that to me is like, why would we want to eliminate humor? Goodness gracious. Well, right. I mean, I would think that God would be, you know, beyond even a, a emotionally stable human and not in a position to get offended about anything. You would think, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you would hope. Yeah, I think God's position is way. secure enough not to be worried about what people are going to say about, about it, you know. But Muhammad repeatedly had people assassinated who made jokes about him, satire, yeah. poems yeah. he didn't like, songs he didn't like. Poetry. Stuff poetry. Like so, I mean. So, if we have to um, come up with, with a solution to this whole idea of, of what censorship is about, we have to look at what does censorship come from? What's the reason that people come up with censorship in general? You know why? They don't have a good argument, so therefore they turn to force. Okay. Because, and that's what happened in my field, Islam. What happened was, after 9-11, on the comments section, there were three different kinds of comments. There were those who knew something about Islam and gave some facts. There were those who hated all religions, and then there were Muslims. Over a period of time, because the fact-based reasoning kept showing up in the comments section until finally, 10 years later, those who knew something about the facts of Islam prevailed. Well, that's when everything began to change. Like, well, wait a minute. You're out arguing us. You're out debating us. You're out reasoning us. So therefore, we're going to make that wrong. You are offending me. This whole business of being offended by logic is something that's very new to me. But anyway, so that they created this form of censorship because... We can't beat you on a level playing field of logic and reason, so therefore we're just going to shut you down. And that's what's happening is. And as they've done it to me, so that it's like the fact that I'm using facts doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, that's the problem. So the yeah. way you solve the problem is shut him up, turn off his juice, take away his oxygen. So that's so the we were, we're losing. We're now losing to censorship because we were winning with facts. That's my yeah. answer. Okay. So that d helps define the issue or the problem, right? Mm -hmm. uh, what about this other little part where you get to the positive solution? You know how that makes it better? What, do you, what kind well, of progress are we that. making toward that? When I first started in this, Richard, I thought that I could present the fact. See, when I first started in this, we went, let me go back to the thing about my optimism and finding a solution. After 9-11, I said, I will put the Quran together in such a way that it can be understood. And I did that. But it, to me, it was a... It was a beautiful intellectual puzzle as to how to make all this make sense. Yeah. I was so naive that I thought that once I presented the Quran in an easy-to-understand format, and which I've done in my simple Quran and a bridge Quran and two-hour Quran, I thought that people would go, yay, rah, let's read it, and, and this could be fun. No. Well, I expect them to run towards me. No, no, no. They ran in the other direction, including yeah. ministers who would, could use the material that I did in order to convert Muslims to Christianity, but they're like, they don't want to know. Why, why do you they think they would not want to know? Because very quickly it became that if you criticize Islam, you're a racist, hater, bigot, Islamophobe. Okay. It is astounding to me how name-calling will shut people down. I've been called every name in the book, and I'm like, eh. 
So, so that's one form of censorship, I guess, right? Yes. Self-censorship. That's the worst censorship. It's where Big Brother doesn't have to censor you. You censor yourself for Big Brother. Well, right, but Big Brother starts it off by saying what you are if you talk about this stuff. Yes. Right, so that is... That's and I never thought that it. having knowledge would be considered to be an immoral act, which is what they're telling me. Knowledge is immoral because you go against the state or you go against the political correctness or whatever, whoever that vast authority is behind political correctness. Yeah. So anyway... But it's I say been a pretty popular approach because, like, in what was it, Cambodia with Pol Pot, um, where he was killing everybody to make sure there was harmony and peace in the country. Mm-hmm. And he wanted to kill the people that were learned uh, as the most dangerous because they, they might bring up these arguments like you're talking about. So one of the things he came up with is killing everybody who wore glasses because they could probably read. Well, it's true that, it, that Pol Pot, one of the criteria for death was... You had, you had glasses, which meant you could read. And that sounds insane when we say that Paul Pot did it, and yet, are we doing anything that's much different now? They, instead yeah, I'm of just pointing out glasses, it's, not, it's not only about Islam. It's been used for, for control and tyranny in general. Oh, yeah. Look, Islam is just on a long list of things. I've already talked earlier that climate change is something that can't be talked about anymore. Exactly. So, what, this list of things that can't be talked about anymore, by the way, Richard, are going to get longer and longer and longer. Right. This, there's no end to this. There's no right. bottom to evil. It can yeah, always well, get worse. It, it's like we talked about the social credit score, right? And if you talk about the wrong things, it would definitely lower your score, I would think. You, let's go back to, uh, I was active, in, as a racist, I was active in the civil rights movement in the 60s. Yeah, Odd, that is. That's it? a sure sign of it, right? <laughs> when you when you're out knocking on doors, doing voter registration and doing demonstrations, yeah, that's a real sign of a racist, right there. That's how you try to cover up your racism. You do stuff like that so nobody will know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I think you have me trapped now, Richard. There's no way out. <laughs> right. So, wow. Okay, well, so, you know, the, the direction that the negative power structure is moving is to try to eliminate all freedom of speech. And then they'll dictate what speech is acceptable that shows you're a, worthy of a good credit score and, and a good member of society. So the question I keep coming back to with your approach as a physicist is it's kind of important that we find an answer to this before they totally succeed, seems to me. Well, the only thing I have, I have a, I'm a one-note samba here. I mean, my whole business is fact-based reasoning about Quran, Sirah Hadith. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I just stay with it. I stay with my guns. I don't know what else to do. I try to be clever with what I do. I'm right now formulating a whole system to, in the, under a new censored web. I have an, another approach I want to take. It's a technical solution. So my mind constantly dwells on the fact that, as I said, I thought they would run to get the information, but I discovered... No, they run away from it. So we need to make it more attractive. But I don't... Here's the thing. My study of history shows that it's what I call nonlinear. That is, things continue, 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 and then suddenly they snap mm. abruptly and move in another direction. Right. So what I'm doing is, is, this is a long war. And in a long war, you need to just continue existing. So my idea is to continue doing what I'm doing, and then there will come a snap or a change or a trend that I cannot anticipate. Right. And I want to be there for when that happens, that everything is ready to go. Right. For instance, 
in Europe, there's much more acceptance now of what you can say about Islam, particularly in Eastern Europe, what, what they call Central Europe, that is Poland, uh, Hungary. Viktor Orban, for instance, is my personal hero because he, is, he speaks out against the censorship. And mm-hmm. luckily, it's hard for them to censor him when you're head of state. Now, you can censor him, but he speaks out anyway. Yeah. So this is a change. And it's, in Europe, let's speak optimistically here. In Europe, more and more people, even in the Sweden, are saying we need to talk about the truth of Islam. Even within Europe, even within England, there are people who are beginning to be powerful enough to say we have to talk about Islam. So I need to be ready for that when it happens, when it's when we when the door opens that I can step through it. So you keep your powder dry. You keep on doing it, what you're doing, because we need to simply exist. And existing means you just you're always there the next day. I try yeah. to work a six and a half day week. Now I don't always do that, but I just keep at it. It's and I have a intense discipline about study and work, which was given to me by the way I was raised. The other right. thing, by the way, about going back to being a boy in in rural South was not only did you have to learn how to take a joke, you were considered a man when you could do a man's work in the field. Mm-hmm. So in the culture I grew up in, considered to be very positive and not something to right. be avoided. Now, right. guess what part of the lie the political correctness is? All cultures are the equivalent. Well, I say to you that a culture that works is superior to a culture that lays around all the time and doesn't do anything to, to improve what's around it. Right. But have I just proven my, bigotry, my bigoted nature again? Well, I mean, we already knew that because of your skin color. You're, you have to be. Ah, honest. there is that, the old skin color thing. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah, I'm, I mean, you know. I th- I think one of the most valuable things that you're teaching is not necessarily any particular subject, but like you said, it's the ability to reason and use critical thought and logic, which are under attack right now. And those are useful anywhere. And, you know, it, it I just I also goes- don't react with anger. I try to be as non-reactive as possible. I, right. mean, I try to be emotionally very calm, but intellectually very active. And that's one of the things I tell people is... Don't get your blood pressure up. Learn how to use reasoning. Be calm. Be pleasant. Never insult. I never insult people. Right. So well, that, I try to that, teach. But these are all elements of good reasoning. That's also not artificial on your part because you're not targeting individuals. You're not no. against. You're not against people. No, 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 no. I sometimes wonder why they're doing what they do, but I don't hate them. It's so ironic that I'm called a hater. Actually, it's ironic. We've already covered it. It's ironic. I'm called a racist. I taught at a black university, took part in civil rights. Yeah. And yet, I'm a racist. I think, by the way, the word racist is beginning to change in meaning. I don't think it's, I think it's having less and less to do with skin color, but just like, I don't, it's like bigot. It doesn't have well, anything to do with race You know that peop, black people are now being called white supremacists, typically. What? what oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. At, there's been demonstrations uh, of... Uh, People trying to hold a prayer vigil in Portland, Oregon recently, and all, all colors and all races and nationalities and genders and everything. And they were attacked by uh, communists wearing black face masks and red scarfs with hammer and sickle on them and stuff like that. And they came to just beat them up in order to fight fascism, you see, to make world peace and everything. And then... Um, Eventually, they got more supporters for the prayer vigil, and, and they avoided being beaten up on the next meeting. But um, the 
the people with the black masks were mostly white, and a lot of the people in the prayer meeting were black. I mean, not really black, kind of dark brown, but they're called black, and the other ones are called white. But the people in the black masks who were called white were calling the black people in the prayer vigil white supremacists and fascists. So, it kind of illustrates your point that the labels are changing their meaning. It, 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 gender's becoming fluid. Well, so is racism becoming very fluid, too. Well, yeah. when Candace, Candace Owens, who, who I love, red pill black girl, I don't yeah, know if she's with her or not. Right. And she was in, I think, Philadelphia with, with a white guy having breakfast at 8 o'clock. Yeah. The police who protected them were uh, Latino and black, and they called those cops racist cops. Yeah. Well, they called Candace a white supremacist at that same encounter. <laughs> <laughs> ah! <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> yeah, I I think anybody who's who's going to be able to still think logically is probably going to be a racist. I think it is. So, <laughs> Son, I want you to grow up be a serious racist. Yeah, Thanks, Dad, I'll do that. Can I be yeah. a racist like you? Yeah, maybe it's going to change to that point. I don't know. You know, maybe the dictionaries will change and everything. Anyway, something else that's happened with the censorship is that those who censor us have become enraged. Have you noticed oh, yeah. how enraged people come? I mean, no, it's, it's, it's the really, really noticeable. I, I think it's a kind of uh, programmed insanity because a lot of them are really mad and they're really against something, but they're not sure what it is. But they're pissed off, man. Yeah. I mean, I see people, their faces are contorted. They're, oh, I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. They're well, ha- they Alex, are not having a good time. Alex Jones has gone out on the street before this big censorship attack on him last week and tried to talk to people. Actually, it was in Seattle and Portland as well and say, you know, come on, tell me what you think. I have a microphone and you can make your argument and explain your side and everything. And and this guy in, in the video that they caught was just, like you said, completely enraged and the only thing he could think of was to throw hot coffee in Alex's face and run away. That was his argument. That was so, his argument right there. Yeah, yeah. So, I, I just like to focus on solutions, and it, it's challenging to get solutions with people in that mindset. Well, but, my thing is stay the course, do as best you can, don't become enraged, have a calm demeanor, be reasonable, and just keep at it because... Right. The, there's a certain power in just staying with something because as I say things will change and we need to be ready when they change that we're our actors together and that we're well disciplined and can do something when this new situation changes I, I'm optimistic that way yeah. I think that after a while we're going to come to our sanity now right now that seems to be difficult to say but I guess I have a certain optimism in the belief that people really will do the right thing yeah, I th- I think that'll happen. It would just be nice to have it happen kind of soon, you know, before. How about tomorrow morning? If we have to wait that long, it'd be okay. You know, just be- <laughs> before it blows up the whole biosphere, I'd like right. to listen to all this. And um, Okay, well, I think, you know, the bottom line of what you're telling people to remember is just to relax and not not get enraged. Be- whatever is right is still going to be right no matter what anybody says about it and um, know your facts yeah yeah that was one of the things that helped me the most from what you've contributed is your books are incredible 
and before that, I had heard a lot about Islam and um, really strong statements on both sides and everything. And uh, a lot of authorities in government were saying that Muhammad was the perfect example of, you know, leadership for world peace and all that. And and I tried to read the Quran, and I didn't even initially know about the other scriptures. Um, and it was really hard to just read. I started at the beginning and just started reading through the pages and a lot of repetition and, and disjointed accounts that didn't seem to be in a, a coherent timeline. And I eventually just figured, well, I'm turning the pages, but I'm not really understanding what I'm reading. And I think I wanted to solve that problem, make the Quran reasonable, which it, it can be made reasonable. Yeah. So what was amazing about the way you did it is you didn't put in your opinion about it. Nope. You just organized it. Mm-hmm. I just organized it. Right. So I would really uh, encourage people to go to the website if they want to buy the books. Politicalislam.com. Yeah. And what else is on that website that, that might be useful? More videos you can than you can bear to watch. <laughs> okay. Newsletters, books, uh, podcast. As a matter of fact, this one will be made into a podcast as well. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I want to get it over there. And, uh, you know, too, if according to what you're saying, if you think somebody is a racist, bigger hater, Islamophobe, or something like that, um, rather than running down the street screaming or anything, which is a more common approach now, go to their website and see what they actually say. Yes. Might, might be interesting. I think that Islam is fascinating to study. I call it like science fiction where everything is upside down and inside out and black is white and white is black. Yeah. But it has, a, it has for me a certain fascination. And uh, but now, of course, this may be proof of my idiocy, but I think that it's fascinating to study Islam. I do too. I, and it's really interesting to me. Maybe this can be for another show or something, but... Uh, there's a lot of people that really smart, sincere people that are always referring to, couldn't Islam just come back to how it was in its golden age? That's but, another whole show right there. That's a whole show. But, the, but, but they, the answer is you do not want to go back to that golden age. No, exactly. That wasn't exactly like um, like the advertising for it. But Nope, it is not as advertised. Let me assure you of that. Yeah, we'll talk about that next time. Okay. So... Thanks for a um, wonderful discussion. and uh, Richard, as always, it's fun to talk to you. Yeah, we'll invite you back soon. Okay. Have a good rest of the day. You too. Bye-bye. See ya. Okay, everybody, that was Dr. Bill Warner, and I've had a chance to talk with him quite a bit now. And I did read pretty much all of his books. They're extremely educational. And whether you think he's a racist, bigger hate, bigot, hater, Islamophobe, I have to get that correct, or uh, a good scholar or whatever you think, um, I think the best response is go study what he's actually doing and saying and then decide for yourself. And what that did for me is give me a much deeper appreciation for the life and work and uh, battles and uh, teachings of Muhammad and what he says about Allah or God and what the people who followed him have done, uh, the history of it after he died. It's super interesting, really big adventure story. And um, I, I just really recommend, you know, studying it. Bill's books, are, Bill Warner's books are incredible. And they're small. They don't take very long to read. They're at politicalism.com. Um, anyway, 
as far as censorship is concerned, the reason this is only on Blog Talk Radio and um, Real Dot Video, which I recommend that you go see, we've had a new presence there, is the the basic idea of censorship that um, it's really getting powerful now. And if if you just mention certain forbidden topics like the one we've been talking about, you're immediately censored and we're trying to uh, get past that by at least being on channels where that's not going to happen. So watch for us on Real Video and on lostartsradio.com. We'll be posting where we are in case it gets harder to find. Uh, we've got two shows on Saturdays. Also remember the uh, 4.30 p.m. Pacific and 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, a show reviewing uh one or more of the news events of the previous week and what the implications are. That's kind of outside-the-box way of looking at current events. And then the meeting of the Planetary Healing Club, which starts at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern um, on Saturday nights. And you can find out about that one at lostartsradio.com slash club. Um, Other than that, we'll keep putting as many free videos up on YouTube as possible. Facebook, Facebook page, um, other channels like Open Source Truth and uh, Real Dot Video. So watch, and we'll we'll give you as much content as fast as we can. And greatly appreciate your letting us talk with you for a little while tonight. And um, hope the rest of your week goes great. And we'll see you next time.